Jesus comes again. 
revelation of who he is. And when you declare who God is, chains fall off your life. When you declare the goodness of God, you start believing that he is good and that he works out everything good for those who love him, who are called according to his plan and his purpose because he is good. He cannot be bad. It is not in God's nature. So when you see like a big tornado that's just gonna take you out declare my God is good and he never lets me down and he's never left me or forsaken me he's never going to leave me he's never going to forsake me this little thing is just that a little thing and my God is greater even if it comes at me like a giant tornado my God makes it as a dust as a dust devil God is greater. And I want us to sing this, you are good again, because I think some of you really need to get it in your heart this morning, that no matter what you're facing, he is good. He is good. Oh, oh, he is good. Good, good. Oh. love today, God. And we 
just thank you for filling this place and filling our hearts. And all of God's people said, amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Welcome. God is good. Uh, yes, all the children, you guys can go back to your classes. We just want to welcome you guys for joining us today in the presence of God in his house. And uh, I just want to let, you guys can all find your way to your seats. You can sit down. I'm Pastor Jerry. I'm one of the campus pastors here at Metro Praise for this service. And um, I'm here to serve you guys because God is good. And if I didn't believe it, I'd, I don't think I could sing that. And so if you believe it, you sing it out with all you have. And so I just want to take this moment to preach the gospel to you guys, because it is the power of life. And as Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, it says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God not by works so that no one can boast. Praise the Lord, I don't have to be good enough. That I can't earn it, that I can't pay my way towards it, but that it's a gift from God. And I think of, I was watching Joe and Nancy's uh, live feed of their children and Joe was questioning them and asking them if they could get from the bottom of the flight of stairs to the top and they weren't allowed to walk or climb or do anything. They just had to get from there to there with no assistance. And I just, I loved the imagery of it and I loved the perception of it because it spoke so great to me. It's like, I, I cannot save myself. When I was a wicked, shameful sinner, I couldn't save myself. You cannot save yourself. You cannot, you can't do it. You'll never be good enough. But there is one who is. And Jesus just lifts you up and takes you to that place. He takes you to that, that top step. Because it's grace. It's undeserved, but it is full of love. So if that is for you guys today, if there's someone here during our fellowship time, we're going to have a couple altar workers up here, and they will pray with you. They will pray for you. Call on Jesus. It says, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. That is a promise for you today and every day, and today is the day of salvation. So if with all eyes closed and heads bowed, we're just going to pray. God, we just thank you for your undeserved grace in our lives, Lord that you do what we cannot do, and you do it for love. And I pray, God, that each and every person here would know your love in, in greater depths today, that they would be saved and that they would continue to run their race of faith. Lord, be with us all in this time. and Let us give you our lives because you gave yours for us. We love you, Lord, and we praise your name, Jesus. And everybody says, amen and amen. All right. 
You guys can all stand up. We're going to recite our confession of faith. This is our Christian worldview. We do this every week because we believe it, and we live it, and we love it. Amen? So on the count of three, one, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen and amen. Reach your
All right. Who's excited to be at church today? Woohoo! Give it up for the 1 p.m. service. Welcome, everybody, to Metro Praise International. Thank you for joining us, especially if this is your first time here. On behalf of all the leaders, thank you for coming. Please keep on coming back, inviting your friends and family. Our services here are every Sundays at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. This is our family service, so we have King's Kids available for our children in the back, infant to 11 years old. We also have Elevate every Friday at 7 p.m. This is our youth service for students 11 to 18 years old. So if you know anybody in that age group, please invite them to come on by. Our youth are on fire for the Lord. We have awesome youth leaders working with them, and we're believing God to do great things in our young people in this city. Amen. How many of you guys know what next week is? Come on, give it up for our outreach. This goes into our soul-winning summer, one of the many outreaches we've had so far. MPI Back to School Outreach next week, August 28th, for the 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. service. We will be giving away free school supplies for 200 students that come in and three laptops, two for the first service, one for the second. So we're really excited about what God is doing, and we really want to push this so that the lost can be saved. So it's soul-winning summer. Say it with me. Soul-winning summer. So we're using these outreaches, we're using these events to bring in new people, and we need you guys to do that with us. So as the ushers pass out the flyers, we want you guys to grab a whole bunch of these flyers that we have printed out and leave them on trains, buses, restaurants, wherever you can. Invite the friends of your children uh, to come on by, especially if you have connections with the parents. So the ushers will get those flyers to you, pass them down the row. You could grab a big stack and just take them with you as you leave today. Our vision here is very simple at MPI. We have a vision, a strategy, and a goal. Our vision is loving God and loving people. Our strategy is to connect you, to mentor you, and to send you out. We want to connect you to the church through our life groups. We want to mentor you through our 101 and 201 books. And then we want to send you out to do evangelism. And our goal in doing that is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches here and 500 around the world. How many of you guys believe God can do that? How many of you guys believe God wants to use you to make that happen? Come on. Look to your neighbor. Say, it's time to get connected. If you turn your hand out around, you'll see the schedule of life groups that we have for this quarter for July, August, and September. Here's a snapshot of what we have going on for this week. Kicking it off today is our marriage life group. How many marriage folks do I have in this room? Come on. There's date night tonight at Navy Pier, so you don't want to miss it. Meet here at the church at 5 p.m. Child care will be provided for here. You're going to have an awesome time. Wednesdays, we have our King's Kids Life Group infant to 11 years old, 6.30 here at the church. Royal Rangers Boys Club, Impact Girls Club. Thursday, our gang outreach goes out, 18 years and up, 7 p.m. Meet here at the church. They're literally going through the streets, preaching to gangbangers, telling them about Jesus. How many of you guys believe God has a plan for our city? Come on. And on Fridays, we have two adult Bible studies for you every week to get refreshed, to get into the Word of God, to build that fellowship with the church. 18 years and up, those are the two addresses that we have. One is at the Goveas, one is at the Vivitz House. 7 p.m., meet there. After a long week of work, you want to get into the Word and be around people who are going to love you and encourage you to keep going after God. Then we want to mentor you. Somebody say mentor. We have a 101 and a 201 book. The 101 book is called Welcome to Your New Life. 
That book is done one-on-one with a leader in the church. And you guys work the schedules out. You meet together. They'll encourage you and challenge you to go after God with everything inside of you. When you graduate the 101, you'll get into our 201 class, Disciples That Make Disciples. And this is where we train you to be a leader so that one day you can be ordained as an elder or a deacon in the church. Then we want to send you out. Somebody say send. We want to send you out to do evangelism, to go street witnessing, preach on the streets, tell other people about Jesus because they're lost. And just like how somebody told you about Jesus, you in turn should go out and tell somebody else about Jesus. So every Saturday from 5 to 8, we get to hit the streets and street witness and preach the gospel to complete lost people because we know that the answer to Chicago is Jesus. So if you've never done it, I want to encourage you to do it. If you're scared, don't be scared to give the Lord your fears and he will rock your world. There's nothing like preaching the gospel. The Bible says that he Um, who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And sometimes as believers, we want to think about ourselves, us four, no more. And our eyes are blind to the cries and the conditions of the souls around us. When we take our eyes off of ourselves and say, Jesus, use me. I want to see this dying world the way that you see it. You will be refreshed and you will be changed. Amen. So to recap, MPI has a vision of loving God and loving people, a strategy to connect you, to mentor you, and to send you out, and a goal to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches here and 500 around the world. Can I get a hallelujah? Praise God. With him, it is possible. But with us, it's impossible. Such a big vision, right? Somebody says if you have a, if you have a small vision, that you could do yourself. But if it's a big, big vision, you're believing God to, to, make, it, to make it happen. Amen. So how many of you guys want to get into the giving lesson today? We believe in tithes and offerings here. The Bible is very clear on teaching that. Tithes are 10% of your total income given regularly to the church. An offering is above the tithe. That amount is between you and the Lord that he puts on your heart. And we designate towards missions and towards building funds throughout the year. If you want to look for the Disciples Giving Book lesson, it's on our MPI Facebook page. We are on section three of the book. Today is lesson six. Stewards are to be wise. Somebody say wise. The definition of stewardship is the wise management of everything God has entrusted us with. How many of you guys believe that God has entrusted you with things? And he wants you to prove yourself faithful and wise to be a steward to manage things well. We're going to be reading from Luke chapter 14 verses 42 and 44. Luke 14, 42 through 44. The Lord answered, Who then is the faithful and wise manager, whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. Jesus is coming back, and right now he's entrusting us with things to take care of on this earth, and he's going to reward us accordingly. So let's get into the three main points of that passage of Scripture. Number one, stewardship parables. Jesus used parables about servants and masters and bosses with employees to teach us that if worldly people are rewarded for good stewardship, How much more will he reward us when we are wise in managing what he has given us? He wants us to be faithful. He wants us to show that we are trustworthy. So let's do that by being faithful in the tithes and offering in every area of our life. Amen. Number two, wise stewards work when the master is gone. Jesus taught that the wise steward is to be obedient 
and manage all of his possessions while he is in heaven. So while he is in heaven, we are to be obedient here and manage uh, trustworthily, manage faithfully all that he's entrusted into our care in our family, our workplace, in the church. And number three, put in charge of all his possessions. Jesus promised in all his stewardship parables that the wise manager will always be rewarded with more of heaven's treasures. How many of you guys are storing for yourselves treasures in heaven? Where moth and rust cannot destroy, where thieves can't break in and steal. That's where our reward is going to be. So let's always keep our uh, vision heaven bound. Amen. Here's a summary. Be a wise steward with everything God has given you by keeping Jesus' commands. And here are three ways you could apply this lesson to your life. Number one, be faithful in giving your tithes, 10% of your total income, and offerings, anything you give after your tithes. Number two, listen and obey Jesus' instructions concerning your finances. You can never go wrong by trusting the Lord with your finances. Everything seems to become out of order uh, in confusion, it'll never be enough when you steal from God. But when you give God your finances, you're faithful to the tithe and offering, God will make a, uh, make a way where there seems to be no way. And number three, be a wise steward that can be rewarded with more of Jesus' possessions. How many of you guys want more from God? Come on, let's confess this over our life together on the count of three. One, two, three. God has called us to be managers that are committed to stewarding whatever gifts we have received from him. We are to be wise, fruitful, faithful, trustworthy, multiplying, and shrewd stewards, living debt-free and generous lives, providing an inheritance for our children and grandchildren. If that is you, please stand up to your feet this afternoon as we prepare to give the Lord our tithes and offerings. Again, you could put the amount on the envelope. You could allocate it towards tithe, missions, or building. Again, a tithe is 10% of our total income. Offering, we designate towards missions and building as we give generously throughout the year. Here are four ways you could give at MPI. Number one, in the bucket during the offering. Number two, in the wall-mounted drop boxes. Number three, in the back with a credit or debit card. You can see Pastor Jerry for that today if you would like to do that. And number four, you could go online. Use Chase Quick Pay, PayPal, or Bill Pay at mpichurch.org forward slash giving. Very easy, convenient to use. Let's recite this Bible verse together. Philippians 4:19, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your blessing, for your generosity, for your faithfulness to our lives. God, we know that you will meet our needs according to your glorious riches. I pray that we would be wise and faithful stewards, being faithful to give you the tithe, faithful to give offerings as you place on our heart. I pray that we would be cheerful givers. Bless the gift and the giver today. Multiply it. Use it to further your kingdom upon this earth. In Jesus' name. We pray. And everybody said, amen. Please come forward as you give. We thank you so much for your generosity.
Come on, y'all, quiet today. Make some noise today if you're ready to praise Jesus. Can I get a hallelujah? Amen. Whoop, whoop. I am so excited today to introduce to you this wonderful man of God. He has a history in Chicago, not only in this city, but also in the Philippines and around the world. My introduction to this mighty man of God was when I was a young man in the First Assembly of God Church in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and I was just newly saved, like some of these young adults here, about 18 years old. And when I heard this man preach, I said, I want to preach like that. And many years later, after I went to Bible college and started a church on Irving, he came to visit that church and that new pastor, not knowing it was me. And when I introduced myself to him, he didn't remember, but I sure did remember meeting him when I was a young uh, man of God. Over the years, I have gotten to know him, and he is so precious. He has planted over 50 churches in the Philippines, many churches here in America. He is my hero, and I believe that we need to honor the man of God today. Would you stand up to your feet and bless the Lord for Pastor Bishop Ray? Oh, amen. I love you. Please do whatever the Lord says. Hallelujah. Second service. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for allowing me to come. Me to praise. You have an awesome pastor. You know, I mean that. When I say that, I mean that. He has a heart so big for everyone. Praise the Lord. I have some good friends. Diana, I haven't seen you in ages. When you're baby, how old is she now? Wow, that was a long time. She was, she was born when you were at Faith Tabernacle. Praise the Lord. And this couple here, this is their first time to come. They used to be at Faith Tabernacle also. Good to see you. And my old secretary. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's just Valerie and her mom and her nephew is out at the back. Praise the Lord. I'm so glad that I can be with you. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's an awesome privilege to stand before you. I don't take this lightly. If I can make a choice, I'll rather sit there and you'll be standing here. To stand here is an awesome responsibility. My God, it, after 55 years of preaching, every time I stand behind this, a pulpit, I still tremble. It helps me to have confidence in God. Praise the Lord. I love the vision of the church. 500 churches all over the world. The Philippines is part of it. Now you're connected with me. You're already 50 churches in the Philippines. Come on. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And there's one in Hong Kong. And there's one about to be born in Vietnam. So... Hallelujah. We're going to fulfill the vision of the church. Loving God and loving people is an awesome thing. I call it, you cannot do the great commission without first doing the great com commandment. The great commandment is, thou shalt love the Lord. The great commission is, go ye into all the world. Amen. The first commandment is, love the Lord and love people. Then you go into all the world. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, I bring you greetings from the Philippines. And you know what? When Pastor Joe called me, it was 1 o'clock in the morning in the Philippines. 
And he said, when are you coming back? We want you to preach in here. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I woke up on my, out of my sleep. And they said, come and preach. I said, my Lord, is, is, does he really mean business for me to come and preach? After we hung up, I walked into Leah's bedroom and I knocked. I said, wake up. I said, why? I just received a phone call and he jumped up and thought it was an emergency. I said, Pastor Joe, she knows Pastor Joe. She was, uh, used to be a um, youth pastor in, at Belmont, Assembly of God, and she knows Nancy, Pastor Joe's wife. And I said, I just got invited at me to praise. And I said, big deal. And she went back to this sleep. I said, wake up. That, that's a miracle. And I said, Dad, go to sleep. I said, I'm tired. It's one o'clock in the morning. But since then, I've been looking forward for this morning. Praise the Lord. And God is good. Let's get to the Lord in prayer. Father, we open our hearts to you. We ask for open heaven before us. Uh, speak to our hearts and challenge our, our spirit to step into the realm of the supernatural. To experience the power of the world to come. And oh Lord, anoint this lips of clay to declare the very, or, very oracles of God. And we give you praise and we give you glory. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Today, I would like to speak on the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. I know it's not Easter Sunday, but we don't need to wait for Easter Sunday to experience the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead shall will likewise quicken our mortal bodies, our mind, our body, our soul, our spirit, our pocketbook, you know, everything that is made of us. But what it means when you touch and you are touched with the resurrection power of God. Whatever is dead in you will become alive. Whatever is broken will be fixed and be restored to completeness. Hallelujah. And whatever is lost will be regained. Amen. And you know what? When you experience the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, you are going to be elevated in a new realm. And we will experience His power from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. Amen. From good to better to best. Hallelujah. And so it is a very, very powerful uh, experience because every day of our lives, uh, we need to live in God. The Bible tells us in Him we live, in Him we move, in Him we have our being, in Him we are complete. Outside of Him we are lacking zero, zilt. But in Him we are all complete in God. Hallelujah. That's the purpose of Jesus Christ coming into the world to destroy death, to destroy principalities, to destroy the power of the enemy, to liberate men and women, to bring them in contact of the real life that is born by God through the power of the Holy Spirit and has been purchased through his death and his resurrection. Without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, gospel preaching is in vain. And there is no salvation and we will be still in our sin. But thank God he died. He resurrected from the dead and is alive forevermore. Hallelujah. Your dead dreams can be resurrected today. Your forgotten call from God can be revived today. Your pocketbook can experience revival through the life of Jesus Christ. You are struggling financially today. The resurrection power of Jesus Christ will arrest that kind of life and bring you to a life that is boundless and limitless. 
with sufficiency of the abundance of His grace uh, without measure. We cannot live in a limited space. It's so vast in God. The life of Christ cannot be controlled by death, by the cross, or the grave. Turn your Bibles to the 11th chapter of the book of John. We're going to talk about the man called Lazarus. Who died, was buried, and forgotten. <laughs> Yet, Jesus came. Lazarus is considered or called the friend of Jesus. The friend of Jesus. Now, he has two sisters, Mary and Martha. You know, Mary is the one who anointed Jesus with oil, who wiped his feet with tears. Martha is the one who is always busy in the kitchen, doing a lot of things, but complaining that Mary was not doing anything. I don't know where what Lazarus was doing then. No, there was not mentioned. It was only Mary and Martha. But they are one beautiful family. So we're going to talk about Lazarus, uh, the one who was out of the picture. The one that was not mentioned before, but now is mentioned in a magnitude that is beyond our comprehension. You might be unknown today, but when you get in contact with Jesus Christ, you come into the world you never dream you will step into. And your history and legacy is boundless and will never come to an end. Whosoever is connected with Jesus Christ and being in partner with Jesus Christ, your life will be revolutionized. It will be transformed from mundane to victory, from nothing to everything, from darkness to light, from deadness to life uh, and from emptiness to fulfillment uh, to overflowing your cup will be running over and you'll never be the same and you're looking for outlet uh, for someone to unload the blessing so that you can receive some more that's the resurrection life of Jesus Christ, never a hundred never a dull moment it is an, a wonderful adventure every day of your life. Uh, I'm excited every time I open up my eyes. Uh, it's time to live again. It's time, hallelujah, to energize somebody. It's time to take this life to someone who is dead and experience the life of Jesus Christ. Now, the name of Lazarus means God hath help or God is my helper. Is there anybody here who doesn't need any help? I am constantly need help. That's why we need a church. And that's why the church needs you. Amen? You cannot find any better help than being in the church where Jesus Christ is exalted and lifted. And where Christ is the Lord, recognized as the Lord of all. But every human being need help. People need mental help, emotional help, physical help, relational help, all kinds of help. I travel all over the world, and there's always one thing that I discover. People are in need. People are in distress. There are a lot of people with different kinds of colors as I travel to. I've been to six continents of the world, and it's always the same. People are in need. People are in need. Even in here, in the city of Chicago, the murder alone, the drug addiction, and all what is happening 
from one corner to another expresses that people are in need. And they find that they try to find it in drugs to fulfill the cravings of that. They try to find it in sex uh, and any kind of thing, finding for help. But you cannot find help anywhere else. But Jesus is your helper. And I want you to understand, Jesus is in town. Jesus is in the house. Jesus is here to meet where you are. And you don't need to be good. He's looking for those who are not good. You don't need to be perfect. He's looking for those who need to be fixed and be restored. All what you need is to acknowledge, I need help. Help. And he will say, help is on the way. <laughs> Hallelujah. Jesus said, I am the way. The, the way, escape out of your situation. An outlet of the pressure. Everybody is looking for an outlet. Jesus said, I'm, I'm the way. I am the truth. He'll never lie to you. He will never exploit you. He will never take advantage of you because in truth, is infinite truth. And truth doesn't say anything that violates what truth is. And then he said, I am life. And you will never experience a no life outside of Jesus Christ. That's why the Sunday school song that goes this way, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's what Jesus said. Without the truth, there is no knowing. Without the way, there is no going. Without the life, there is no living. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's what Jesus said, if you don't have Jesus in your life, even if you have a PhD, you're still ignorant because the true truth is Jesus said, I am the truth. Even if you have a GPS uh, and you know your way, if Jesus is not living in your life, you are lost as could be and you need help to find your way. And if you're living, maybe your house is magnificent. Your furniture is bought in Bloomingdale and, and your Clothes are from uh, Nordstrom, and you live in a subdivision, and your car is a sports car. But if you have no Christ in you, you are not living. You are just drifting away and trying to survive without any direction and without any meaning in life. But Jesus' resurrection life, uh, it destroy every bondage in human's life. It destroy every uh, control of the devil. Jesus said, um, well, Paul said that Jesus was manifested in the flesh uh, to destroy, to break, to undo the works of the enemy in the lives of everyone who will accept Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. So help is on the way. Hallelujah. You know, I got saved at the age of 15. I'm, I'm proud of my age now as a 72 years old. I feel like 17. When I got saved, I don't know, I have not been educated. I don't know how to speak English. I know how to say good morning. I know how to say it tastes good. I know how to say bye-bye. And when I went to the Bible school, the missionaries and all the professors said, this guy is wasting our time. Is not going to amount to anything. I stuttered a lot. I could not speak. I was so introvert. I was so intimidated. 
but I know something inside of me. I know something that is about to erupt. I know something took place. I have life beyond this life. I have power beyond this power, beyond this world. I have experienced and tasted the power of the world to come. I know that I don't belong here. I know that this is not my place, that what I am is boxing that needs to erupt and transform and transcend to something else. But be known to me, they were meeting for five nights, not knowing what to do with me. And send him home. Let him pastor some buffalo out of the province. He doesn't speak English. See, he stuttered. He doesn't know how to play guitar. He cannot sing. He cannot do. He's, there's nothing that this man cannot do. We are wasting his time, and he we are, he's wasting his time. So they all decided to send me home, except for one who said, Who are we to decide and determine whom God can use and whom God cannot use? And he said, you are treading in a dangerous water. If this man said, God call him, who are we to say he's not called by God? All what we see is the outward. We don't see what is in the inside. See, they can see how skinny I was during the time. And my shoes was plopping all the time because the soul was falling apart. And they look at me, miserable. But they don't know that there's life something inside. Hallelujah. Fixing what was broken. Slowly putting together, piece by piece. Hallelujah. And shaping, hallelujah, the inside that eventually will radiate at the outside. And so this professor said, I'm not voting against the, mo the boy. They called me the boy. And so everybody turned around to this lady. If that is the case, make him your project. When I graduated from Bible school, she was the registrar of the Bible school. And she said, with all of the years that I taught in this college, Ray Larena is my best project. <laughs> They said to me, I saw in your eyes there's something different. I know that inside of you, said, when I see you in the prayer room and you begin just to agonize and you weep and cry, I know something was happening inside of you. I cannot pinpoint it with my finger, but I know there is life there inside of you that is about to burst. And now you're getting ready to erupt. And to deliver what is inside. There is a conception that is taking place. That needs to be developed. And soon needs to be delivered. And you don't see it. This inside of Pastor Nancy. is a life. Abundant life. It's a bundle of energy. It's a bundle of possibility. It's a bundle of great future. It's a bundle of miracle. Yet you do not see it. Yet you feel it. Hallelujah. That's the resurrection life of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. When you're sorrow, he gives you joy. When you're in trouble, he gives you security. When you're in darkness, he lightens your path. 
When you're worried and perplexed, he gives you peace. When you're dry and empty, he fills you up to overflowing. And whatever it is that you need, he fills you with everything that you lacking in your life. So the resurrection life of Jesus Christ. See, if Jesus did not raise from the dead, the preaching of the gospel is foolishness. But because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, the apostle Peter said, now we become partaker of the incorruptible, indestructible, inexhaustible, resurrected new life in Christ. There is a life that cannot be destroyed. There is a life inside of you that cannot be oppressed and suppressed. It's the resurrection life of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Residing and dwelling and ruling and reigning inside of you. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Now, one day, Jesus received a telegram. Well, there was no telegram during that time. There were no emails. There will be there are there were no Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. So the only way communication can be carried from one place to another is by person delivering it there. Now, Bethany is one day journey from Jerusalem. So it is already delayed. If it is an emergency, or if you are dying, you're already dead before the message arrived to where you're sending it. So they send the message to Lazarus by foot. They took a long run. The person who was delivering the message got tired probably, spent overnight in the hotel, or got attracted with the scenery and got lost in the view around, so it got delayed. So when the message arrived, Jesus said, don't worry, Lazarus is only sleeping. <laughs> and what do you do when a person is sleeping? You wake them up. That's the person next to you. It's time to wake up. Let me tell you, one thing that I discovered, one thing that I, I, I experienced in life, if you are not able to make a decision, go to bed first. And in your sleep, you will find a solution. When you wake up, it's all totally different. Joseph found a situation. He doesn't how to handle it. His fiancée is now pregnant without him touching her. And in the culture, in the Old Testament, he needs to be stoned to death. And he doesn't want Mary to be exposed into the world or be stoned to death. And so he contemplated in his life, in his life to leave here. And before he did it, he went to sleep. If you go to bed first before you make a decision, when you wake up and God wake you up, you have a different mind, you have a different attitude, you have a different outlook in life, and your decision will not be based in your emotion. It will be based in revelation. Come on, hallelujah. So I told a couple, before you fight for the divorce, go to sleep first. As long as you can sleep. And when you wake up, it will be different. And he said, you're stupid. You're crazy. We're fighting each other. We are not even sleeping in the same room. You can sleep in a separate room, but sleep first before you make a decision. Tell the person next to you, it's time to sleep. But it's time to wake up. Hallelujah. 
dream is beautiful. But until you wake up, your dream will be still in the night. Hello. So Jesus said, he is sleeping. Well, what do you do when the person is sleeping? You wake them up. But it is more easier to wake up a person who is really asleep than a person pretending to sleep. A person that's really sound asleep and you wake them up, you can wake them up quickly. But a person who is pretending to sleep, especially doesn't like to talk to you, it's hard to wake them up. But the resurrection life of Jesus Christ will wake up whatever is sleeping inside of you. Hello. Not just dead, but even those things that are sleeping. It's not yet dead, it's just sleeping in a limbo. It's about to die. And when he comes, he will bring it to life. So Jesus said, Lazarus is sleeping. Well, it took a few days for Jesus to come. And when he arrived, Lazarus is already dead. Four days dead. Number one. Delayed is not rejection. How many of you have been, uh, how many of you experienced your prayer has been delayed? And you put up a tantrum and say, oh, God didn't remember me. God doesn't love me. But delayed is not rejection. Delayed doesn't mean you have been forgotten. Delayed doesn't mean that God has it's not interested about your business or about what's going on in your life. But I discovered that delayed is preparing you for a greater breakthrough. Because it will be more miraculous for him to be resurrected from the dead than to be healed out of his sickness. What is greater miracle? Heal the sick or raise the dead? So all, all things that took place in our that taking place in our lives, are working together for good. That delayed is for good. Hallelujah. Next is that delayed means God operate in his own proper timing. It's not according to our time. We want everything instant. Instant coffee, instant tea, instant soup. We want microwave meals. But microwave meals is only good in emergency. Nothing compared to a slow cooker that cook your meat for eight hours. That the meat get up of the bones and all the, 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 the marrow from the bones are already got into the sauce. That, oh, how delicious it is. When you hurry up, on a high fire, the meat becomes more tougher. But when you cook it slowly, hallelujah. So I love slow cooker. You just plug it in, you go to work. When you come back, it's ready. So delayed is to prepare you from greater excitement. Hello. But we people, we would like it now. If you don't give it to me now, now what? I will backslide. Go ahead. I did it to the Lord. I said, Lord, if you don't, in my early days of Christianity, Lord, I want it now. If not, I'm not going to serve you. And the Lord said, so what? I don't need your service if that's your attitude. You know what? Sometimes our good works is trying to bribe God for what we want. 
But when you are living in the power of his life, when you are following the dictate of his life, your mind is controlled by his life. Your mind becomes renewed every day. It's no longer your mind that thinks it's the mind of Christ. Your heart is no longer craving for something. It's the heart of Christ. The heart of Christ is possessing you. The attitude of Christ is possessing you. Because his life is controlling you. He became now the hope of your glory. He's been become your aspiration. He's the goal of your life. He is the focus of your life. And you are running to that purpose of his life being fulfilled in you. That you're going to say it's no longer I that lives that controls my life. It is Christ and his resurrected life proven by coming out of the grave. Conquering the power of the enemy and establishing his kingdom in me. The unshakable kingdom of God. The undefeated kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Ruled by the king who conquered grave, death, and hell. So he came. After four days. And when Martha heard that Jesus has come, verse 17, then when Jesus came and he found that he had lain in the grave for four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. Now look at in here. He said he found that he was already dead and buried for four days. Say with me, four days. One, two, three, four. Four is greater than three. Four is more powerful than three. Four is more higher than three. But four will not come unless three give way. Hello? Four only came because three pushed it out into the surface. Jesus died and was buried for three days. And after three days, he resurrected from the dead to bring you your fourth day. Lazarus came at the fourth day when Jesus resurrected from the dead on the third day. You are walking now in your fourth day. You are walking now in the fourth day. Hallelujah. The third day is gone. Now you are entering in your fourth day. And your fourth day will not come if Jesus did not resurrect on the third day. And Jesus prepared your third day, your fourth day, by his third day. And his third day followed by your fourth day. And your fourth day is the fulfillment of what third day has done for you. Glory to God. Ah, hallelujah. Now we don't live on the third day. That's Jesus. We live on the fourth day prepared by Jesus. Followed after third day. My God. If I have time, I will spend more time on that fourth day. Because see, when we carry, try to lift up heavy object. And we say, one, two, three. And the fourth is to carry it. The beginning is to count. And you count up to three. And fourth is the action. Now, mm, hallelujah. Jesus died. And three days later, he resurrected from the dead. So that your fourth day is conquered already by the third day. Where he paid all the price for your fourth day. Come on. Hello. So when I woke up this morning, I'm thinking, my God, I said, I can write a book on this. Hallelujah. Fourth day. 
he's dead. Fourth day, he was already buried. Fourth day, the world was already crying. Fourth day, he's already stated. Fourth day, he's already decomposing. But because something happened on the third day, oh God, that changed the situation in the present of the fourth day. See, you need to connect the third and the fourth day. The third day, Jesus dead is died. The fourth day, Lazarus is dead. But Jesus Christ came at the fourth day. Why he did not come on the first day? How come he did not come on the second day? How come he did not come on the third day? But he came on the fourth day. And I was thinking to myself, where was he on the third day? Of course, the story tells us that he was still preaching somewhere. But you know what? On the third day, before he went, he was already fighting with the devil on the grave for Lazarus. He was bidding for Lazarus' life. He was fighting for Lazarus' victory. He was fighting for Lazarus' comfort, coming out uh, and his new beginning in life. And so when you feel like God is not present, he is harassing and he is facing the one that is trying to destroy your life. So that your fourth day will be a day of victory, a day of new beginning, a day of triumph, a day of joy, a day of celebration, a day of rejoicing. Hallelujah. I'm living in my fourth day. And after that, nothing follows because the fourth day is the fulfillment of everything. Now, Martha heard about it that Jesus came to town. So she ran as quick as he could. And uh, Martha, verse 20, then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. He was blaming Jesus for Lazarus' death. If you, if you came quickly when we sent you the message that, these things would have never happened. Have you ever said that before? I, maybe I'm the only one who said, Lord, where were you when I needed you? If you only came, it would have been different. It would have been more easier. Martha said, and I wonder, why have you come? You should have not come at most. It's over. That's when God comes in. When you come to the end of yourself, when you think you are over, that's when he comes to start a new beginning in you. At the end of ourselves is the beginning of God in us. Because it's human nature. As long as you can find an idea and find a solution, you will hang on to it. And you'll go to all kinds of people that you think you can, you can be helped. But when you are flat to your face and nothing more, now no one else to help. That's when Jesus comes. When you're already prostrated and you're already exhausted and you've already done everything that you've done, you have come to the end of yourself. That's when Jesus will come. Hallelujah. To do whatever you cannot do and what others cannot accomplish in you. So it's a good feeling to come to the end when you are against the wall. Because his hand will create a way when there is no way. Hallelujah. And there's an extension of grace. 
and a new dispensation of revelation. That it is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Amen. For what we see with the naked eyes is temporary and not just, uh, just passing through. But what we cannot see are eternal. You don't see the working of God. And sometimes we miss it because we are too busy figuring out how should God do the works that needs to be done. Stop figuring it out. You have not even figured it out to begin with. You cannot figure out God how he will do it. Only believe God will do it because he loves you. God will do it not because of him, but because of you. Because whether you believe or not, he's God. We have this kind of attitude that if I believe God, then he will become a big God. If I don't believe God, then he will become a little God. Now let me tell you this. Your believing doesn't improve the position of God. And your disbelief doesn't diminish the position of God. Because whether you believe or not, he remains to be God. Faithful to the end. True to his word. He'll never lie. He will never turn his back away from his word. Regardless. Amen. So it's easier to say, Lord, have your way. Bring me to my fourth day. And so Martha said, if you have come earlier, my brother would have not died. Oh, my God. Verse 22. But I know, Martha said, I know. I know. Do you know? You might ask him, what's the question? He said, but I know that whatsoever you shall ask of God, he will give it to you. What a confession of faith. What a demonstration of faith. See? First of all, she said, big question mark. Where were you when I needed you the most? Why did you just come? After all, it's over now. It's done. There's nothing more to be done. I beg your pardon. There's always something to be done. Hallelujah. It's not, somebody said, it's not over yet until the fat lady sing. Now, sorry, I told anybody, I heard that expression. You should have been here early. If you have arrived early, then we will not have this kind of problem. But I know that whatsoever you ask of God, he will give it to you. Sounds good, right? It sounds beautiful. I know it's too late now, but whatsoever you will ask of God, I know God will hear you. So I'm trusting you. And Jesus responded to that faith. Yes, your brother will rise again. Your brother will come out of the grave. He will live again. And then Martha contradicted himself again. Yeah, yes, 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 Lord. I know, but in the day of the resurrection. So he was living in the past. If you have only come earlier, my brother would have not died. Now he's living in the present. I know whatsoever you ask now, God will do it. God will give it to you. But then he moved forward into the unknown in the future. But I know it will happen in the day of resurrection. See how much he contradicts himself? Does, does it ring a bell? 
We believe in God, but our action is contradictory to our confession. Hello? We see something, but our action act differently. Hello? Am I the only one who goes through kind of a process in life? Jesus said, your brother will rise again. He should have said, hallelujah, he's going to be resurrected from the dead. Get ready, send somebody home. Get ready for the feast. Kill the fatted calf. Hallelujah. Prepare the robe, prepare the sandal, prepare the ring. Hallelujah, it's a new day. It's a day of celebration. But then he said, it's in the future, Lord. He's going to come again. That's why so many of us doesn't see the miracle that we need to see because we believe in the past. We temporarily accept the future of the present, but then we live in the future. The past is gone. It's history. The future has not arrived yet. It's a mystery. The present is your reality. Your present is your fourth day. It's a day of your resurrection. Your present is the day of coming out of the grave. Your presence is a day of new life in God. Your presence is a day of restoration. Your presence is a day of fixing what is broken. It's a new day. Hallelujah. Not tomorrow, not yesterday, but today. That's why it's called a present. It's a gift. Of the hour. It's a gift of the present. So if you're present here today, he's present here. We're two, three gathered in his name. There he is in the midst of them. He's present with a present for you in your fourth day. And that's your resurrection. Oh, come on. Whew. And Jesus said, Martha. I am the resurrection and the life. Verse 25. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. What is dead in your life today? Is it marriage? Relationship? Is it relationship with your parents, parents and children relationship? Is it relationship with people in the church that is broken and dead? And is it the one that is driving you to leave the church because relationship is broken? What is broken in your life? Finances? You're constantly struggling? You're constantly in want? Maybe the reason why is that because you're not paying your tithes? Because when you violate the word of God, it brings death. When you obey the word of God, even if it's painful, it brings life. No matter how much you pray, and no matter how much you recite the scripture, if you are not obeying the word of God, you are not going to experience resurrection. And the best time to give your tithes is when you are really financially in a financial problem. That's when victory will come. The rational mind will say, don't give it there. Pay your bills. You pay your bills. It's not enough. And you will have double jeopardy. But when you obey God, resurrection will come. Deliverance will come. What is dead in your life? Physical? My, my son was attacked with leukemia. When we brought him, when he was brought to the hospital, you know about the story. He has eight hours to live. Immediately they gave him 
blood transfusion. They give him uh, four kinds of chemo. They give him platelets. And when I went to the hospital, well, they called me. That was on a Sunday. My daughter, my youngest daughter was back from the Philippines during the time she was with him in the emergency room. And she called me and she said, Dad, whatever you're doing, you better come now. I said, why? Don't ask any question. It's David is serious. Come now. I said, tell me. David has leukemia and he said, ours to live. I said, in the name of Jesus, I don't receive it. I send it where it came from. And I said, whether you believe it or not, you better come. So I turned around. I went there. And she was waiting for me at the door. And said, relax, man. How can you relax when my life, my son's life is being destroyed? No, I'm going to fight for his life. And I said, relax. So I walk in into the emergency room. There were, there were five doctors. And I don't know how many nurses in there. And they introduced me. The father of David. And I said, well, David, let me tell your dad. And I said, go ahead. And he said, blah, 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 blah. I said, I, in the name of Jesus, I don't receive it. And the doctor said. And my daughter said, sorry, doctor. I forgot to tell you, my father is a preacher. And the doctor said, I'm sorry I have more patient to take her. So he went out of that, you know, inside of that curtain. And the rest of the doctors and nurses followed him. And when he was gone and I said, I, I take dominion to the resurrection power of Jesus Christ of the spirit of death. You shall not die but live to declare the glory of God. This is not the end but the beginning of God in you. I will not take no for an answer. He came to fight for your life. He came to lay down his life and he resurrected from the dead on the third day so that you will enter in your fourth day of healing. So we worship the Lord. He was sick. He was taking chemo for over two years. Of course, now he's in total remission. One day, I was standing there in the isolation room. Tears were rolling down. He was semi-comatose up and on. There was already infection in his body with a fever. And he could not, he could not understand where the fever was coming from. They, they, they brought Specialist on, on uh, infectious disease. Uh, and they said, there's no infection. Uh, and they were all puzzled. And I was standing there. Tears was rolling down on my cheek. And I said, Lord, it's so painful. I want to do something for my son. And as a father, I want to do something to help him. And here am I. I, I have nothing. I cannot do anything. I wish I am the one lying down there. I'm already old. He's still young. And all of a sudden, I heard the voice of God. Now you understand how much I feel when my son was crying on the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I want to help him, but I cannot help him. I was, I was stopped of helping him because if I took him off the cross, then you will not enter in your fourth day of experiencing the life of liberation from the bondage of sin. But I turned my back away from my son and helped, and did not help him so that you can be helped, so that you can experience my power. And all of a sudden I said, in the name of Jesus, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead will resurrect David out from this. And I said, David, wake up! 
And see, oh, he opened up his eyes uh, and he said, uh, Dad, and I embraced him. And I screamed so loud that the nurses running into the room. And from that time on, he began to improve. Hallelujah. Once you know the life of Jesus and the power of the life of Jesus, nothing can pull you down. Nothing can destroy you. Hallelujah. We don't live in the future. Do we look toward the future? We don't live in, live in the past. Though there are wonderful things that happen in the past. We live in the present. And whatever your situation in this present time, help is here. And Jesus is here. And the resurrection life of Jesus is here to deliver you, to set you free, to break the shackle in your life, to liberate you, and to bring you to the fullness of life that you can only find in Jesus Christ. You'll discover life will become no longer the same. You begin to smile at the storm. You begin to respond differently. Like the song that I learned when I first got saved. With Christ in my vessel, I can smile at the storm. Smile at the storm. Smile at the storm. With Christ in my vessel, I can smile at the storm. Until he takes me home. And it is too difficult to smile against the storm. If it is your own life that is living in the present. But if it is Christ and his resurrected power. That life cannot be destroyed. That life cannot be conquered. That life cannot be stopped. And you can smile to the storm. You can smile to the problem. You can smile to the difficulty. And he said, come on. There's victory in Jesus. There's solution in Jesus. This is not the end. But the beginning of a wonderful life. In Christ. Come on, shout hallelujah. Oh, my God. Mm. Praise the Lord. Now, they called Mar Mary. Mary came. Now, look in verse 32. And when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet. Look at the different attitude of Mary and Martha. Martha complained, if you only came earlier, my brother would have not died. But regardless of the situation, Mary came. And in spite of the condition so unbearable, she fell down before the Lord and worshipped him. It sometimes it's too easy to worship the Lord when all bills are paid. And you have extra money for everything that you want to do. But sometimes it's too difficult to worship the Lord when you are broke and you have bills to pay. And seems God is so far away. But that's the time to worship. That's the time to bow down before him. That's the time to say, you're in control. My life is in your hand. My situation is in your hand. And so therefore, there's victory and your name will be exalted. So therefore, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. So therefore, I will say, regardless of the situation, my soul, bless the Lord with everything that is in you. And forget not all of his benefits. Hallelujah. You know what I discovered? When I am facing a terrible situation, I always look back to the past miracle. And this is what I would say to the Lord. 
Lord, you have done it before. You can do it again. Say with me, Lord, you have done it before. You can do it again and again and again and again. Over and over and over and over again and again. Come on, praise him. Hallelujah. When you feel like feeling sorry for yourself, worship him. When you feel like quitting, worship him. When you feel like giving up, worship him. When you feel like murmuring and complaining, worship him. Hallelujah. Be like Mary and not Martha. She did not say anything. She did not say a word. She did not open her mouth. She just prostrate herself before the Lord and worship him. There's something about worship. There's something powerful about worship. Hallelujah. Oh, Worship will release you to your destiny. Worship will release you to your victory. Worship will elevate you. Hallelujah. To a greater glory. Stop murmuring. Stop complaining. Stop magnifying all of your situation around you. Bless the Lord. Worship the Lord. And you worship the Lord. The dead will be resurrected. The need will be supplied. The problem will be resolved. Your children will come home. Your marriage will become sweet. Hallelujah. Worship. 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 And worship is not just inside the church. Sometimes it's too easy to worship inside of the church. You are forced to worship because... There are people that are watching. You don't want somebody to think, what is he doing? How come he's so stiff like a, a wood? You see the point? But when you fall, when you are by yourself, and you fall before the Lord alone, that's the best time. Worship the Lord wherever you are. Not just in church. When you wake up in the morning, this is my pattern. Lord, thank you for opening my eyes. When I get out of the bed, thank you, Lord, that all my limbs are working. Uh, thank you, Lord, I can hear you. Thank you, Lord, I can smell. Thank you, Lord, that my faculties are, are functioning properly. It's a great day. It's a new day. I don't know what is ahead of me, but this is the day which the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Hallelujah. I will exalt the Lord. I will magnify the Lord. Hallelujah. I will honor the Lord. And let me tell you, your day will be different. It's too easy to complain. It's too easy to murmur. It doesn't take too much to make your spirit sour. But it takes a lot of guts to worship the Lord. Especially when you feel like not doing it. Because you are under so much pressure. Hallelujah. Amen. Learn to worship him. Even at the point of death. Even when seemingly you are already been buried by the devil. Underneath the grave. Still cry and worship. God will push the dirt and will bring you out. Hallelujah. Remember the seed of corn was buried in there. And after a few days, it pushed the dirt. And then the blade came out. That's you. Hallelujah. In the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. He fell down and worshiped the Lord. And when Jesus saw, therefore, her weeping. And the Jews also were weeping with came with her. He groaned in his spirit and was troubled and said, where have you laid him? 
they said unto him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. I want you to understand. Jesus wept because he saw Mary weeping. She saw Mary, he saw Mary broken. I like what the scripture said in Hebrew. That is, he is the high priest of our confession. Who is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He feels what you feel. He understands the sorrow you're going through. The ordeal that you're going through in life. The suffering and the hardship. Before you have been there, he has been there already. He knows how it is to be there because he had been there. You are not experiencing in this life that Jesus has not experienced before. He knows how it is to be betrayed. He knows how it is to be rejected. He knows how it is to be um, pushed aside and, and uh, ignored. He knows how it is to be crucified and died. He knows what you're going through. And nobody understands your emotion more than Jesus. Jesus wept. It's a sign of tenderness and brokenness of heart. Sometimes we're too, too tough. We try to be tough. Somebody said to me, I did not even cry when my mother was buried. Crying in the altar is only for Sissy, not for me. I said, yeah. I said, only rocks doesn't cry. But when the Lord touched him, he was bawling like a baby. And he kept saying, why am I crying? Why am I crying? Why am I crying? See, when you're touched by God, hallelujah, that brokenness of that spirit that's haughty and proud and arrogant and self-controlled and self-centered. When it's broken by the life of Christ, hallelujah. See, you cannot really experience this life until you're broken. There's something about tears. There's something about crying. It melts your heart. It gave way some of the pressure inside. Jesus will never turn his back from you because you're crying. He will invite you to come. Lay your head on my shoulder and just cry. He will embrace you and say, it's all right. And he will cry with you. I would like somebody that will cry with me when I'm crying. I like somebody that will laugh at, with me. Not at me, but with me when I'm laughing. And that's Jesus. Jesus is so far away from Job's three friends. Jesus will never accuse you. Jesus will never exploit you. Jesus will never take advantage of you. Jesus will cry because you are broken. He understands how it is. To be rejected. I was pastoring in Michigan. A city of white people. Coming from San Francisco. With mixed people. And my church there. Will compose of all kinds of people. When I arrived. In Sheboygan, Michigan. North of Detroit. There were only two. Foreigners. Two different colors. A Chinese doctor from Taiwan and a Filipino pastor from San Francisco. The first Sunday I stood in front of the congregation, I got a cultural shock and I said, my God, they're all white. And I look at it and I said, I am in the wrong place. And jokingly to overcome, you know, my surprise, I said, 
the, when the missionaries go to the Philippines, they feel like they're the cream among the coffee. See, now this morning, I feel like I'm the coffee among the cream. But there was a guy there by the name of Harvey. Harvey is six foot two. He's part of our worship team. He's part of the ushering. He's part of the Royal Ranger. And every Wednesday when he's not serving, he sits on the third, second row from the front. Six months after I arrived there to become their pastor, he started disappearing. He's no longer in the, quiet, in, the, uh, in the worship team. He's no longer ushering. And he's not sitting anymore on the front. He's sitting at the back. And before I can say the benediction, he's out. And I saw him literally drag his wife and his children out of the church before the service was finished. I said, oh, maybe he's just in a hurry to go to work or something. So I ignored that until somebody told me, Harvey is planning of leaving the church. I said, no. Well, he's leaving the church. So I called. No answer. I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to visit him. My secretary said, no, he made an appointment to see you on Monday. I said, okay. But said, Bishop, I asked my husband to be here so he can sit down outside the door because we know Harvey is mean. He might harm you. I said, no, I can handle him. You know, so I can handle him. He came in. His wife's eyes was red from crying all night long. And he came in, really pouting, and I extended my hands like that, and he did not shake my hand. And he was like that, and he sat down in the chair, and he said, I'm leaving the church. And the wife said, he's the only one leaving, but he's dragging us, our children and myself. We don't want to go. And she said, woman, shut up. So he began to talk to me. He said, I cannot accept you as my pastor. I cannot, I cannot submit to you. I don't like you. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. They speak. And my face turning red. And I really, I said to myself, who do you think you are? I'm the pastor here. I can do anything I like to do. If you want to live, live. And I, while I was talking, words was forming. I was ready to lay down the hatchet. And when he was finished, I said, and he said, I said, are you done? He said, yeah, I'm finished. And so I put my hand like that on the, on, on the desk and start raising up myself like that, ready to really lambast the guy and ready to really chew him alive. He was big. And, I was, and all of a sudden, somebody felt, I felt like a hand pulled my throat like that, another hand pushing me down to my chair. And I said, Lord, did you hear what he said to me? The Lord did not answer. I just feel the hand. So all of a sudden, I opened my mouth, and I was shocked what I heard. I said, Harvey, I admire your boldness and your courage to come and say it to me face to face. I would rather hear it directly from your mouth than hear it from somebody else. I think I blow his mind. I said, I respect your decision. It is between you and God. But you cannot stop whatever decision I have. I said, just the same. I will love you. I will forever love you. And if whatever and wherever you are and whatever time it is that you need help, you know my number. I will be there. And he said to me, it will never happen. I said, but if it happened, I know I'm available. I know I'm ready.
And I said, you can leave this church, but the door is open anytime you like to come back. And I keep saying to myself, Lord, what are you trying to do to me? Did you hear what he did? He slices me into small pieces. And the Lord said, vengeance is mine. I will repay. And I said, you can walk out of this door, but my love and my prayer will follow you. That was the last time I saw him for nine months. Wherever I see him in public, he turned around and go. Nine months later, on a Wednesday night, I was in my office on the side like this. This is the platform. I can hear his voice laughing. I said, oh, that cannot be Harvey. That is not Harvey. Harvey said he will never step into the door of this church. But then I heard him. I said, that sounds him. I said, maybe somebody like him. So I heard the piano already played. So I come out the door. And there he was. And he said to me. And I said. And he was sitting on the second row. I'm going to tell you this story. And then I'll finish. Because when you are walking in the power of his resurrection. Through his power you can love the unlovely. You can forgive the unforgivable. You can walk the extra mile to those that try to kill you and hurt you. Because it's no longer you. It is Christ. And you don't feel it. Christ feel it for you. And now the life of Christ, which is victory, deliverance, and power, and dominion, is ruling. It's no longer yourself. It is Christ that is living in you. So you can react positively. And you can respond powerfully. And you can dominate in a spirit that try to bring you down. Because his resurrection power is a higher life than any kind of life in this life. And it cannot be brought down, it will always going to bring you up higher. The service went on. I made an altar call. I prayed for the people. And something about Harvey. When he come to the altar, when he walk out of the, 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 the seat, his wife will follow him and his three sons will follow him. And he will kneel down his wife will kneel down, the oldest, the middle, and the youngest. All the time. And I said, it's back. So I prayed for them. Then I gave the benediction. I pick up my Bible, ready to go back to my office. Because I have a counseling after the service. She said, Pastor, wait. So I went on. She, he grabbed me and he kissed me here and he kissed me there. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. I thought I could never accept you. I thought I could never love you. But when I walk out of your office, everywhere I go, all I can hear, my love and my prayer will follow you. And whatever it is that you encounter in life, wherever you are and whatever time it is, I'm there if you needed me. They said, it never leave me. It never disappeared from me. Even in my sleep, I can hear that. Uh, and I said, I was wrong. Forgive me. I said, Harvey, there's nothing to forgive. I've been praying for you. And he became my best friend. He doesn't like fish. He doesn't like to touch fish. But he will go out fishing because his pastor likes fish. He has a forest on the back of his house. He will come one day and he said, I have already all of your wood for your furnace. You don't need to buy. I already put it in your garage and behind all its stock enough for the rest of the winter. Every time that I say I need this, Harvey will the first one. One day, I said to my wife, I will come home later. I will mow the lawn. 
Harvey passed by. He saw the, the, the lawn work. Need to be mowed. He went home, came back, got the mower, and he mowed it. When you are walking the resurrection life of Jesus Christ, and you overcome the enemy with the power of his life, he will turn around. He will become your best servant and your best friend that will love you unconditionally. And there are many Harvey in many churches that needing to be confronted by the resurrected life of Christ with a genuine love, with a genuine hug. And who will not stoop down for revenge but would say, I love you just the same. When I left the church, he was the, 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 the man that cried the most. And he grabbed me by the hand. Are you sure it is the will of God? Are you sure you heard from the Lord? Are you sure you need to leave? No, 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 pastor. You're not supposed to leave us. Why I'm saying this? Because there are no weapons formed against you that shall prosper when you're walking in the resurrected life of Christ. Because it is no longer I, neither you who lives. It is Christ that lives in me and in you. And sometimes uh, pastors uh, doesn't live in that life and that's why their congregation are living in the flesh. Sometimes churches have problems because the congregation living in the flesh. But in this flesh, we live in Christ. In Him, we live and move and have our being. Let me tell you, Christ is the answer to all of your need. You're going to come out of your pain today. You're going to come out of your darkness today. You're going to come out from deadness today. You're going to come out uh, from every obstacle today. You're going to break all the barrier. Today is the night, the day of your breakthrough. Today is the day of your supernatural, victorious life. Today is the beginning of a wonderful day that yesterday is gone. Today is reality. Seize the opportunity of having Christ in control of your life. Shall we all rise up, please? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know the time is past. Glory to God. But we are not going to close the service without giving you an opportunity to have an encounter with Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter where you are at right now and what is going through in your life. It doesn't matter how painful it is. What matters is that Jesus is here. He will make everything beautiful in your life today. Hallelujah. He will turn the night into day. He will turn the sorrow into joy. He will turn the darkness night into, into the and darkness into light. He will make your life overflowing with joy. Healing is a gift from God. Deliverance is a gift from God. Prosperity is a gift from God. It's all provided through His death and resurrection. Today is your fourth day. You're going to come out of the grave. Then all of a sudden, Jesus said, bring me to where He is buried. Martha, and He said, remove the stone. And Martha said, no, no, no. He stinks already. You know, there are many churches today with a lot of stinking people. Not here, though. Because everybody is alive. You know, a dead fish is carried by the current. But a living fish swim against the current. And 
you can swim against the currents through the resurrected power of Jesus Christ. Then he stood in front of the grave and he said, Lazarus, come forth. Amazing is that he did not just say, come out, or else every dead in the graveyard will have come out. But he called specifically for Lazarus. He knows your name. He knows who you are. Even the number of your hair is important to you. He counted. He knows how many remaining in your head. And no matter how much you color your head, hair, he still knows how many gray underneath. He knows the number of your hair. There's nothing that surprises God. But when you respond to the sound of his voice, come out. Come out from your grave, whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, whether it's relational, and whether it's spiritual or financial, you can come out of the grave. He's calling you, and all while you say, I'm here, Lord. Amazing that the dead quickly responded to the voice of the master. Are you alive today? Say amen. You're going to come out of your grave. One, two, three, run to the altar. Hallelujah, whatever it is that you need, there's a miracle waiting for you. There's a breakthrough waiting for you. He's calling you out of your grave into the newness of life. Jesus is here. Ah, worship him. Worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. We bless your name. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. We bless your name, O Lord God. Jesus, Jesus, come on, worship Him. Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice and worship the Lord. the Lord pastor's going to start praying for some of you but let's focus on Jesus right now if you don't know the words of the song sing it if not sing from your own old heart sing it from your own heart fill me up Jesus fill me up with your resurrection power
Forget the past. God, let it be under the blood. Let her release the people that offended her in the name of Jesus. Jesus, fuego, fuego. Mas Espíritu Santo. In the mighty name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. is not praying for you just worship with us come on fill me up fill me up we're focusing on jesus not just a man today if the lord has already touched you don't be in a hurry take it in today saints god is moving 
So do everything that you need to do in the place of your employment right now. Show your boss that so that when you leave there, they will see who you are and they will remember who you are. And God is preparing a new job for you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Let the anointing of the Lord release her. this a little bit. Set my heart on fire, Jesus. Come on, how many of you want to go to another level with Jesus? We'll dismiss in just a few moments. But don't leave him out of here until you've been filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. Some of my altar workers, if you're available, come to the front, please. And if you want prayer to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, to speak in other tongues, I want you to come up here so they can pray with you. If you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost and fire, let some of these young men and women pray for you. If not, keep worshiping. We're not in a hurry today. Jesus, heart on fire. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Ashley, just stand over here in case any women need prayer right now. Just over there, Laura, you stay here. Jesus.
dismiss in just a moment. Ladies, sing another song, please. Don't leave yet. We'll pray and dismiss in just a moment. But if you need prayer to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire, come up here so that you may speak in other tongues. If you need a prayer for healing, come on up here. We want to pray for you.
such a beautiful way. That you will captivate his heart by the beauty of who you are. Lord, let him feel the warmth of your embrace. The fire of your love that will melt the inside. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Take him one step at a time. A day-to-day experience with you. dismissal and those who want to stay for the after party we're going to keep praying and and, uh, singing songs but if you want to support pastor ray today the way you can do that is just grab one of those envelopes in the back right by our drop box and just put his name and whatever offering you want make it out to metro praise international if you want to give with card we have that in the back with pastor jerry we'll let you go do that and also online you can just put missions because this is the missionary we support in our church. So whether you go in the back, put his name, Metro Praise, online missions, it doesn't matter, we'll get it to him, okay? Let's pray and dismiss. Father, we thank you that you have come and moved in a mighty way. We pray that no one will leave out the same way they came. No one here will leave out with those dead things remaining, that our lives will truly be resurrected in you walking out of here in total resurrection power. Like Paul said, I not only want to know just you today in this world, but uh, your your sufferings in this world, but I also want to know the power of your resurrection in this world. So Lord, let us experience it in a mighty way. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Let's bless God. Come on. Amen. Slap your neighbor high five. Let them know you love them. Otherwise, the after party's still going to be here. Let us know if we can serve you. Let's keep worshiping, please. And we're going to keep praying for those who need it. God bless you. We'll see you at Life Groups.